Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners. Welcome to Passion Harvest. We aim to inspire you to live a passionate life. I am so excited about our guest today, and I'm sure you will be too. Her name is Natalie Sudman. In 2006, Natalie was serving in Iraq as a project engineer for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. The vehicle she was riding in was hit with a roadside bomb. Her book, Application of Impossible Things, details that incident and her near-death experience. Natalie was born in Montana and raised in Minnesota. She trained as an artist, receiving a Master of Fine Arts degree in 1989, and for 16 years worked as an archaeologist in the Western U.S. Natalie currently lives in Minnesota, where she works as an artist, writer, and offers intuitive readings. This is her story, and this is her passion. Natalie, welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy and excited to have you on the show. I just have to hold this up and I've got lots of tabs here. This is an incredible book. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, Yes, I I think I've got too many points to discuss. You can see on my tabs, but (laughs) wow. So where would you like to start? I mean, I'd love to, I I guess, where the book sort of happens. How did you start working in Iraq for the US government? Well, I had a job with a different agency in the government doing archaeology. And they, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers was looking for volunteers to help on Hurricane Katrina cleanup down in Louisiana and Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And I volunteered to go down and do that. I I volunteered a couple of times. And some of the people that I worked for down there, offered me a job in Iraq. Well, actually, one of them called up and said, hey, we've got jobs in Iraq. If you want to go, do you want to go? I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Hung up and went, what did I just Because no one else probably, everyone else probably said maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure why they were. Um, I think, you know, they, they did six-month stints in Iraq okay. is what you signed up for. And I think they probably did have trouble getting people over there. Mm. Um, Yeah, you know, it was a messy place. And um, I think that it takes a certain um, kind of person to agree to to have that kind of adventure, I guess. Yes, what an incredible experience. So you lived in a a base, if I'm using the correct terminology? Yes, I lived on a base. Uh, When I got over there, I worked down in Basra, which is the big city in the south. And um, just outside of there, our our base was the airfield there. So it was a a base that had, it was actually, I think, um, a UK base. It was English. And there were, but there were little camps inside that base that were Italian and um, American and blah, 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 whatever. So we were on, in one of those camps. And then later I moved up to Nasseria area. I was at Talil Air Base. 
and same thing, a little camp inside a bigger base. And you were, I think you mentioned a project managing. I was managing construction contracts. Yeah. So, um, so this was for the reconstruction effort. And so we were, we were managing contracts for everything from electrical substations to, um, medical facilities to coast guard facilities, um, roads, sewage systems, all kinds of different things. It's amazing how our career doesn't certainly doesn't take us in a lineal path because it's so different from archaeology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I only got the job because I knew I had dealt with with um, government contracts. So supposedly I knew something about government contracts, which I didn't know much. And I'm sure the people that worked that I worked for in Iraq uh had their own challenges having, sure. <laughs> having me working for them. But. So in Iraq, I mean, were you, were you fearful for your life while you were there or previously to your NDE? I was not. Um, I guess I went over there as, assuming that if you were going to go to a war zone, that you, were, you would be okay if you got hurt or died. I just, I mean, that's the way I thought of it. I don't have kids. I wasn't married. I had a long-term relationship, but I wasn't married. And, um, and I guess I've never been afraid of dying. So I just mm -hmm. thought, well, this will be an adventure. I want to know what's going on over there. I guess the best way to do that is go. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, you know, that's a wonderful mm -hmm. way to look at it. And you do mention, um, obviously not during your time, but in your earlier years that you did have some sort of spiritual awareness previously yeah, to NDE. I mm -hmm. when i was a kid i used to have dreams that came true and i was aware of let's say spirits or beings other presences on the land in certain places and um i would you know sometimes walk into buildings and go oh i gotta get out of here um so i was certainly aware of it and interested in it and in high school um, a couple of friends were also interested in it. So once in a while, we'd all go to get a, a psychic reading or we would read, you know, the Upanishads or, you know, kind of, um, we, we certainly, I certainly had an interest from an early age. It wasn't, so this wasn't a shock to me. It wasn't like I didn't have any kind of reference right. to understand what was going on. I had some kind of reference points even if some of them were changed <laughs> <laughs> and then i get i guess this is all leading up to your experience which you do detail in the book mm -hmm. when your truck or your car was hit was blown up yeah so uh i was out in the field that day outside the wire outside the base with four colleagues two of them in a different truck and then uh, one guy and I in a, in a truck together with a driver and a guard and we had um, so there were four trucks in the convoy the front one had had um, none of us in it it was all guards and then the 
but the last truck was called a gun truck and that was all guards too. So um, we were, we had been out all day and we were on our way back to base when um, an imp improvised explosive device went off under our truck. So I, yeah, I, I'm not sure what you, do you want me to just go into the story? I would love it to, I would love if you feel comfortable talking about that for those that haven't sure. read your book. Sure. Um, so I, when the bomb went off, I immediately left my body. I, I call it blinking. I blinked to another place. I didn't have, um, there wasn't anything in between. I was in the truck and then I was not. I was on a kind of um, small stage um, and surrounded as if in a stadium, surrounded by thousands of beings. And I was, I knew exactly where I was. I knew exactly what I was doing. There was no disorientation. There was no, oh, what's going on here? I knew exactly where I was. And I immediately started to download information to these beings. And um, I also communicated to them that I wasn't going to go back into the body. I wasn't interested in going back to the physical world. And they said, well, what if you went back and did this X, Y, Z. And I went, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll go back kind of the same way. I jumped at going to Iraq without really. Oh, gosh. And it. you also mentioned these beams, although you couldn't physically um, identify them, you were familiar with them in some way or you knew I was them. familiar with them. Yes. Yeah. They were not strangers. I knew them. Some of them maybe it feels like some of them more, personally or intimately than others but i i knew all of them um and there was no through my whole experience there was no authority over me there was never anyone in authority over me i was the authority in my experience and in my life my choices were mine it wasn't like they said you have to go back um i just communicated what my decision and and they, their offer made me change my decision. It wasn't like they said you have to go back or something. And um, so you, you didn't actually sit, you weren't in your physical body. You were, if you could call it a spirit or soul or essence, but there was no body part of you during this experience. In this part of the experience, I had... I had the same form that I have now, but I don't sense that it was a solid form. Mm -hmm. I sense that that form, it's almost like um, when I left the body, I still, it's like having um, shadow memory or something. You know, it's just going to be more comfortable for me to see myself as a body and to see all those beings around me looking human because that's what I've been doing for a while. It's like um, if you stand in a doorway and push your arms out against the sides of the doorway for one minute and then you step away, your arms are going to go straight up right. without you, without any effort on your part. <clears throat> and it's that kind of, um, you know, we're, we're in a certain uh, amount of effort to hold this form and to hold this personality. And when we leave it, we're still, there's still a shadow of that in a sense. Or a resonance or a residue of it. Right. A residue. That's a good word. Thank you. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I love how you, and, and we can talk about this further, how you call it the blink environment. So when you go to different environments, it's a great, I love the word. Why blink environment? Because it happens very quickly, like in, the, in, a, in a blink. In the blink of an eye. Yeah. I, but it just felt like here, there. There's no, nothing in between. There was no and tunnel. There was no traveling. No, no tunnel, no traveling. And so it just felt like I blinked and I was somewhere else. It was that quick. You know, you blink your eyes and you, when you, when your eyes open again, you expect to see this. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Generally. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and yet what if you blinked your eyes and, and found yourself in a completely different environment? There was, that's kind of what it was like. And during this whole time you were, you were not um, fearful. You were comfortable. I was totally comfortable. Yeah. I knew exactly where I was. I knew exactly what I was doing. Yeah. No fear, no confusion. Yeah. So you agreed on coming back if you were to have, uh, have some purpose coming back to your physical body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I agreed to come back to do these certain things and some of those things I don't remember, but um, I sort of deliberately don't talk about those, the ones I do remember because we tend to, um, we're trained to sort of always compare ourselves or place ourselves in a hierarchy. Um, that person's better than I am. That person is doing something more valuable than I am. And these are all human ways of evaluating um, a person or actions or words. And in, in that environment that I was in, in that blink environment, it was very clear that everyone had their thing to do and and everyone everything that people were doing was important equally important there was no um there was no ceo is more important than the homeless person no they're equally valuable they're equally important there's the um, work that a construction worker does is not any more or less important than the work a dentist does everyone has their role and and it's, it all matters, right? It, it's sure. And I absolutely agree. And I respect you don't want to talk about um, what you agreed to do, but um, do you find now in this life that those gifts or what you came back to do are manifesting or evolving? Um, yeah, I think so. I think um, to an extent, I mean, I'm kind of, um, I'm kind of lazy. <laughs> So I think you're not, <laughs> I think <laughs> about certain things or I procrastinate about certain things. So I do think there's, I do think there's a couple of things that I've been procrastinating on. <laughs> maybe it's not the right yeah. time. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> Thank so, you. <laughs> so after this, um, once you've made the agreement with these beings or um, people that you resonate with in some people or I'm, 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 I'm not even say. using the correct terminology here. Right. You went to your next blink environment. And what was the next blink environment that you uh, were transported to? Yeah. The next one I call the deep rest environment. Um, it was. So if you can imagine a deep, calm, sort of inky black darkness but really velvety sort of really feels comfortable and cozy that's what this place felt like it felt 
like infinite space, but, but comfortable. And when I got there, there were two other beings with me and I don't really feel like I had a form in this, um, in this environment, or if I did, it certainly wasn't a human form. It was some kind of organization of energy. And, and it felt like these two beings were just tuning up that energy, just tuning up the organization of energy or the system in some way. I didn't interact with them. They just did their thing while I was doing my thing. And what I, what I was doing at the beginning here was maybe a form of a, um, life review but it there was no judgment involved i was just kind of looking through paging through memory a book of memories or something it wasn't any book you know it was just yeah, all in my head sure. but a way to think about it um and i wasn't i wasn't judging anything that i did i was kind of um i was I was looking for things that interested me. I was looking for things that I could maybe use in the future, or um, I was looking for new patterns that I had not expected. I was looking for new for outcomes that were unexpected. Um, so I was, I was paying attention to, in a sense, cause and effect, right? Mm. Um, I think it's really the only, um, evaluation that I put on it or judgment that I put on it was whether something was fun or not. And I don't necessarily mean fun in like party with the friends or margarita on the beach kind of, it, I mean, those are fun. That's great. That counts too. But sometimes when we work really hard, that's fun too. Yeah. Or when we accomplish something that was unexpected or we we didn't think we could do that's fun too so this included a, a much broader field of fun um that i was looking at something you're passionate about yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah so then when i was kind of finished with that i just sunk into this deep deep rest and rejuvenation i describe it I think I described it in the book this way. It's like going so far inside yourself that you turn inside out. And, and so you're again in, in this infinite space that's just so comfortable and just really, really deeply restful. And I think you also mentioned, you know, it, it could have been lifetimes or it could have been one blink. Yeah. There was no um, time in this environment. Right, yeah. I have no idea how long I'm and there. Then, and then you decided it. to come out. Yeah, when I was <laughs> done, I guess. <laughs> it would be nice to stay there. Yeah, when I was done, I came out of that and blinked immediately to another environment where I was with two people. One felt like a really old, good friend, and the other felt like maybe that person was learning from, person being whatever, was learning from us or observing or something. And we were, we could see the blown up truck on the desert below us, the scene. And it was, it was as if we were about a hundred feet above the ground and looking at it maybe at a 45 degree angle. So we could see it as a blown up truck on the desert, but we could also see our bodies inside the truck and see everything, the bodies, the, the, 
the truck, the desert, the other vehicles around as organizations of energy. So from this perspective, we were choosing my injuries. So we were actually playing around a lot. <laughs> you mentioned that in the book that it's kind of, it was funny if, if, yeah, it was very funny. It's to not us. funny, but yeah, yeah. No, it's not funny to us now <laughs> in humanness. We're looking, yes. looking at it from a different perspective, but from that perspective, um, to sort of do the equivalent of wave a hand and and put shrapnel in my brain so that I had cognitive difficulties, we just thought that was hilarious. We would see a flash of my whole life, how that would how that would play out. And just thought that was hilarious. Or we would um, chop off my right hand and then see that flash of what the, what the rest of my life would look like. And we just fall down laughing. And of course, this is not, these things are not funny, funny yeah, yeah. from our perspective. But from that perspective, it's like looking at, um, at a play. So it, it can be a dramatic play. This person gets killed. This person gets killed. This person gets injured. Um, and while we're in the play, while we're watching it or while we're playing it, we suspend disbelief. Mm -hmm. And those actors play it to the hilt, right? Because that's how the audience is going to believe it. We, we immerse ourselves in it. And then when the curtain comes down and the lights go up, everybody gets up off the stage and walks away. No one is really hurt. And that's the, that's the perspective or the understanding that we had from, from that place. So it was all entertaining. It wasn't 40 years of discomfort. <laughs> of course. And you also got to choose, no, 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 I don't want to, for example, not be blind or you got to right. choose some aspects of it. Is that correct? Yeah, I chose all of it. Yeah. And knowing that I chose my injuries gives me a different perspective now. It gave me a different perspective, you know, when I was spending a month at the hospital. Yes. It, you know, for the most part, it was like, well, you know, whatever. It's fine. I've never had this experience before. This will be interesting, which is <laughs> not the normal reaction. Yeah, no, look, but it's wonderful. When, I just wanted to ask you, these, these beings that you call or during your blink environments, were, were they beings that had previously been in a human form? Did you think they were galactics? What was your sense with these beings? So I wasn't paying any attention to that at the time, mm -hmm. but I would say that um, the being that I was with while I was, while I was setting my injuries had definitely had a body mm -hmm. or at the same time time had a body i mean there's a certain suspension of time or 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 some of these experiences feel as if they happen in a different part of the field of time so that time works differently or even outside i mean certainly that deep rest environment was outside of time um, I'm, I'm in the, there's one more part to this where I'm kind of right down next to the truck and with eight other beings just before I will go back in my body. And I would say all of those eight beings had also had experiences in bodies. Certainly it, 
it felt like sort of the closer I got to going back into the body or um, back into that truck, the more I was with people who understood or beings who understood what it was like to be in a body. That sure. this, you know, once, once I'm standing next to the truck with these other eight beings, we're really discussing things on a whole different level than I had um, with, with the stadium full of beings. Right. That's more like the, the big overview. Um, and then when you're standing next to a truck, you know, those things are going to sound different. You're, gonna, you're not going to be laughing about no hand from the from this perspective, you're going to be talking about, well, how are you going to negotiate this? You know, what do you need once you get back in the body? Um, that kind of change in perspective. If that makes mm. sense. Thank you for explaining that. And then I guess your, if you would call it the next blink is your back in the truck in your body. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. After uh, standing around with these beings for a while, kind of discussing things from, your physical injuries. Yeah. Um, and, and what I had agreed to do, which a lot of that I, I just don't remember. Um, then, yeah, I popped back into my body. And I, my, I had been kind of sitting with head on hand, um, elbow on the windowsill, kind of half asleep when the bomb went off. And I, I, when I came back in the body, there was an audible pop. That's what I, I heard the pop. Mm -hmm. And I knew... My eyes were still closed. I was still sitting like this. And I knew what had happened. I knew that a bomb had gone off. I knew that it was not going to be just little injuries all around, which happens. Um, and I was like, mm, open your eyes, get on with it. <laughs> and your injuries were significant. I mean, they were quite serious injuries. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Uh, I had my heel was broken by shrapnel both my both the bones in my forearm of my right arm were shattered the some of the wrist bones were broken all the bones on the right side of my face were broken I had a skull fracture and I had some pieces of skull blown out right here so there was also some muscular damage so this eye doesn't line up with this eye mm -hmm. and there was shrapnel and blunt force trauma injuries to the side, which led to a retinal detachment. Um, so I see kind of blurry, less light, double. And were you in pain? Obviously, one would assume you were, were in great pain at this stage when you... I wasn't, actually. I think that... Um, I think that shock shuts down pain. Mm -hmm. um, I think that may have been part of it. I also think I may have protected myself from that. I'm not sure, but I was not in pain. Um, when the guys pulled me out of the truck to move me and I stepped down on my right foot, that was very painful. And then when they moved me from a truck onto the helicopter, they just grabbed my arms and, and threw them over their shoulders and, and sort of carried me very quickly to the helo. And that hurt a lot because of this wrist was basically a disaster. That um, but in general, I was not in any pain. Yeah. 
And your okay. your month recovery, or I mean, obviously it's been much longer than a month, but your month in in hospital, was there a lot of pain? They did a really good job of pain management. Yay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> had a lot of drugs. I actually had, um, they call it a pick line, um, a kind of a permanent line put in um, through a, a vein or an artery down to my right arm because it was so painful. And that fed, that had a, a feed of its own for pain medicine. So they did a really nice job of keeping me out of pain. There was some headaches and things like that. Yeah, of course. My gosh, the injuries were significant. And during, I mean, sometimes with NDEs, one doesn't remember immediately when they, you know, come back to the body, their experiences. Did you remember straight away or did it take a while for the memory to come back? Yeah, it took a while. I knew when I popped back in, when I heard that pop, uh, I knew that I had been somewhere, but I also knew that I needed to deal with what was in the truck. And so I wasn't, I wasn't going to sit there and go, well, what happened? What just happened? Sure. <laughs> I was more like, I need to open my eyes and do something. <laughs> but um, it was late. It was a couple months later after I had gotten out of the hospital. And um, I was just sitting on the couch one day and I thought, you know, remember how I felt like I had just been somewhere? Um, I wonder if I can remember where I had been and immediate it, it was like opening a door it was just like boom. and I re, I remembered so clearly I mean really that's these memories of where I was are are actually clearer than the memories of being in Iraq or the memories of of dealing with the truck and you know opening my eyes and dealing with what was there yeah, it's very common, the, the, the clarity. And mm -hmm. after, after your um, NDE and your recovery, a lot of people come back with certain gifts or spiritually transformative experiences. What were your experiences like the first six months after your NDE? Oh, <clears throat> well, I think um, a, a big thing for me was... Um, that I was, I haven't had any kind of depression. I used to have kind of off and on depression. And um, I haven't felt that at all since I had my NDE, which is great. <laughs> sure. It's a relief. And I think um, it's certainly, I don't think it's just tied to, uh, I, th I think it's not because I had my NDE. I think it's because I understood some things within the NDE. I think I, understanding that I am the agent in my life, that I am the creative agent in my life, and that I'm not a victim of anything. That makes a huge, huge difference in how you walk through the world, right? And um, what you blame or don't blame for your own circumstances and things like that. Um, so that was big for me. I think um, I've always had kind of a black sense of humor. So it gave me a good, um, it gave me a lot of good material for my, for my black sense of humor. Um, if you and, can laugh about what injuries right. you might have, that's kind of hilarious. Right. And here's a little weird thing. I don't know if I've ever told you. Oh, this we're only getting weird now, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, everything else has been normal. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, the, I don't know if you have the same thing. They're called jumbles in the newspaper where there's a phrase or a word and they, they jumble up the letters and you have to solve that word. Um, so if, if it's a seven letter word, there are seven blanks and then the words, the letters are jumbled up right above it. Um, okay. I'm not that good at doing those, but for about six or eight months after it's blown up, I would just look at it and I'd know what the word was. I just blurt it out. Wow. Well, that's a, That's an incredible gift, isn't it? <laughs> I, I wish I could still do that. I thought it was really fun. It was such an odd little thing, you know, that, and then yeah. it dissipated. And then it dissipated. Yeah. I think that I gave, um, I did some intuitive readings before I was blown up, but after I was blown up, the information has been much clearer. And I think I have more confidence in, mm. in what I receive too. Cause now you do that. offer intuitive readings. What, what do you mean by intuitive readings? So it's not with tarot or Tools. No, I just, uh, yeah, I just have people say their full name for me a couple of times and that it feels like that sort of gives me just the doorway opening. And uh, I just, my, I set my intention as that I will receive whatever is most relevant, useful, true and accurate for the client. And I just let it come. Usually I will, I'll ask the the client to um to to think about what they want to know so that they either write down questions or a theme or themes or something to have on hand because what i find is that when people have thought about what they want out of the reading it really helps in focusing the information then i tend to get that which they are are wanting to know very interesting. And you talk about that at the end of your book, how, and you did briefly touch on this, we're almost all actors on a stage. So everyone is an energy when you're at, at the, when you're in the car, you've been bombed and everyone is an energy and everyone is living their own movie as mm -hmm. such. Do you mind just explaining that a little bit more? It, I completely agree. It's a very hard concept to grasp though. Uh, I missed a little bit of that because my um, earpiece was out. So, but um, the, if you consider that we are infinite beings having experience through this body, this body and this personality and these emotions are not who we are. They are the experience that we're having. Um, then who is that being? Who is that infinite being that we are? that infinite being would be the actor, right? The, the actual person who takes on a role to play and, and walks, walks into the play and, and you know, plays their part. Um, I think that you know, we're, not, we're not taught that, uh, that death is a, just a transition. We're taught that death is the end of something. Mm -hmm or birth is the beginning of something when really those are simply transitions in a, in a, in a really um, a, an infinite world and an infinite being. So if we, instead of thinking of ourselves as um, I'm not just Natalie, um, that's, 
sort of the role I'm playing in this, in this incarnation. And when I die, when I transition, um, I will still continue to be Natalie, but more Natalie. <laughs> it's not like I'm going to lose this personality. I become more myself. A more expanded um, version of yourself. A more expanded version of myself, yes. But I continue to have experiences. I continue to explore, to learn, to, um, to expand. To all those kind of uh, the creative endeavor of, of taking on a body and living through this world is... Um, is an expression and I don't think that we stop doing that when we leave this body we we continue our creative explorations and our creative expressions does that even answer your question it it does beautifully (laughs) but I've just got a few more quick questions Mm -hmm. Uh, do you believe that we uh, ask for the experiences that we do experience in life we create our reality I think we co-create our reality okay. with our whole self, with that part of ourself that um, that transcends time and space. I think that um, you know to say that I, as a as a conscious personality, chose to get blown up would be mistaken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, I did not choose that, and yet some part of myself did. And when I, when I can come into agreement with that, that larger part of myself, when I can say, well, what if I don't know what's best for myself? What if there's a larger part of myself that can, that can perceive a, a larger picture and whether I agree or not knows what is good for me on a really grand scale? Um, I think that I, sometimes I explain it like we are the three-year-old saying, I want five cookies. I have to have five cookies. I'm going to die if I don't have five cookies. You know that kid's not really going to die without the five cookies. Right. <laughs> and that maybe no cookies today is a much better choice for that child. It, um, so that, you know, a part of us has that kind of perspective, I think, and that kind of wisdom. And sometimes when we let go of our own human narrow needs and wants, we may just come into a coherence with that higher self that really um, opens up a whole new way of being. Really interesting. And so if, I mean, what I noticed from you, which I think is incredible is that, connecting with your higher consciousness with your higher self you almost detach yourself from reality to extent you don't um get as emotional for example about your wounds you're not feeling Mm -hmm. sorry you're not a victim which you said it very very well is that Mm -hmm. a way to be a greater co-creator of your reality that sort of detachment from your emotions from i think that it can only help because really um well it might be might move both ways emotions are really just symptoms of our thoughts and beliefs um so if you change your thoughts and beliefs you're gonna change your emotions so i'm not sure you know in my experience i think that 
you mentioned, yeah, that I didn't get upset about my um, experience. I think that that emotional detachment came from my different beliefs or my mm -hmm. different thoughts about my experience. If I chose this experience and I chose it from a place of fun and exploration, then I can refer to that. And my emotions are going to be different from someone who says, I, w I was a victim of some Iraqi. <laughs> I wasn't, you know, I don't feel that I was. So it changes my whole way of understanding and therefore changes my emotions. Um, so I'm not, I think that it, it can, I guess it can probably, I'm not sure if it can work the other way, if you can kind of, I think so, because sometimes, I mean, I, I still have a full range of emotions. I still get angry and whatever. Um, so, but sometimes I can catch myself and go, no, go to the center instead. Mm -hmm. And that emotion will immediately just sort of, um, Dissipate. Disintegrate. Yeah. Very interesting. You also mentioned when I asked you the question about uh, whether they were the the beings were galactic or humanness. You mentioned when you were next to the car, the two beings were definitely humans in this life. Potentially, it was their higher consciousness. I just wanted to, which is leading to me to ask you the question: birth and redeath, and our many lives that we do live for our soul's evolution and growth. Are they all happening at the same time if there is no time? Yes. I mean, I, that's a... It's a very hard I, question. <laughs> yeah, it is a hard question because it depends upon perspective. You know, if I go out to a place where I can perceive other lifetimes, I call them other lifetimes because mm -hmm. they appear to me to be all happening at once. Um, and yet we experience and we experience them in a linear fashion. It's like participating in time. We agree to participate in time. So um, I think that, oh, I just lost my train of thought. That's okay. <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the ways that I talk about um, lives is, if you think of a bicycle wheel, imagine that that wheel, the whole wheel, is a whole self. And each of the spokes is, an, is one lifetime, one incarnation, one expression, which, which is uh, maybe uh, certain, certain expressions are chosen in order for that experience to be maximized. Um, and, and yet you're never separate from the wheel. You're always a part of the whole self. It's just mm -hmm. a, maybe a distillation or a concentration. That so. was a really good way, a great analogy of explaining it. <laughs> and then, I'm, and then I, I'd like to ask you a couple more questions. Mm -hmm. But so why? Why are we here as souls or in our humanness? What, what is the purpose of what is the purpose of all this? Yeah, big question. Big question. I, if you, <laughs> I just like your opinion. I'm not saying it's the. Yeah, it's not the be all and end all. When I ask that question, the answer I hear is create creation. 
that creativity is um, is the force behind all life. So creativity expressed can um, can be what it can be infinite and in that infinity we're all because we're all one each person's sort of exploration out each person's um each person's foray into creativity enhances the whole hmm. interesting it reminds me back why i don't know <laughs> i just think passion <laughs> yeah which is a beautiful answer Um, I get a lot of questions about this, that people are afraid of death and you have touched on it. What would you like to say to them? It's understandable that we fear death because we don't talk about it. We don't, um, we, we, we present it as an ending. We never present it as a beginning Mm. or as a transition within something um, that's very long. We don't give ourselves any kind of understanding that um, that communication can happen between dimensions. You don't have to be in a body to communicate with people that you love. You don't have to have a body to feel someone around you that has left their body. So I think that if we can begin to understand that death is, is merely a transition, it's not an ending. If we can start to talk about it as if, so I just saw an article the other day, it said, why don't we treat death like we do a birth? Why don't we ha- throw a shower? Mm-hmm. Why don't we, you know, why don't we ask people, what are you looking forward to when you die or after you die? You know, if we start talking about it differently, how does that change the way we feel about it? I think it can change it really profoundly. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I've been asking all the questions and I'm just wondering um, in the interest of time, would you like to share something with our audience? Oh, um, um, you know, I think there's always a last sort of summing up and, and um, it, I think that if I, if I said nothing else to people, I'd like to say, learn to like yourself. Learn to love yourself because that's where everything starts. When you find that affinity for yourself and that affection for yourself, then you're going to have, you're going to have a picture of who you are. You're going to have an identity that comes from the inside out and nothing that happens to you can change that. Nothing that happens to you can destroy that because it's yours. It comes from inside here. Huge. When you have that, loving other people just happens. Loving the world just happens. Intelligent decisions just happen. Go from the inside out. Go from the inside out. I love it. <laughs> Natalie, <laughs> I've, it's been such an honour to have you on the show. Your oh, book you. is incredible. Application of Impossible Things. And anyone that's looking to connect with Natalie, all your details will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. It's been an insight and an absolute delight. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Natalie. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. That was great. Oh, good. That was great. Oh, 
he was lost the plot a couple of times. No, you were great. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. I guess you get asked these questions all the time. Yeah, and I try not to answer them the same way because I know people like to, you know, listen to more than one interview. Sometimes I just go, ah. <laughs> no, 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 you're fabulous. Love yeah. yourself. That's right. <laughs> that was your final answer. It was. I need to listen. <laughs> that was great. So with your intuitive readings, can people find that? Where can people find that? I've got all your details, don't I? Just to put it in yeah, the, the, um, the web page. The readings information is on the traceofelements.com. Okay. Um, website that, that's the blog i think you put that as yep. a blog yeah i'm just just having a quick look wonderful thank you so much so the show <laughs> once once the show comes out i will send you all the links and everything it'll be about three or four weeks at the moment okay sounds good and um you enjoy the rest of your day i really am honored to talk to you and um what a what an experience thank you so much thank you so much yeah. <laughs> okay bye natalie Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening. And please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate. <laughs>